Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glickson with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And in a mere eight years, the World Cup will be played at least a third of the time in the U.S. Well, yeah, more than that, I think. We get, uh, what, 60 of the 80 matches or something like that? Yeah. Okay, so, so 75% of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's going to be cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I plan to get to a game. I, you know, I was... We were, what, uh, eight years old when it was here in 94. Mm-hmm. So obviously at that point, a little bit different. Um, you know, I do remember watching it on TV, but, you know, wasn't a situation where I went to anything. But, yeah, somehow it's, it's not coming to Phoenix, and I, I don't know the closest to, to where you are. Um, but, uh, you know, he'll be around us at least. I plan to, to travel and see at least one game. I saw a Women's World Cup match at uh, Stade Olympique in Montreal. Did you? Okay. Okay. Um, and that was fun. Was that? It was teams I didn't care about. Uh, my friend Chad had his bachelor party up there. And okay. so we went, it was in 2015? Was it really? Okay. Okay. I think. You probably told me that. I, I, I mean, I remember you going up to Canada a few years ago. I didn't, I guess I never maybe put two and two together. That was the same time. Yeah. And it was good. It was uh, the kind of ticket that we could walk up and get tickets for. Really? Really? Which I don't 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 foresee to be the the, case. No, I doubt it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially if you're, you know, if you're going to one of the the later round, you know, the knockout rounds, um, you know, or if you're, if you're seeing a game featuring one of the, you know, obviously, you know, that one of the home countries is playing or one of the, you know big time soccer countries, Brazil or Argentina or, you know, so they're going to have a ton of fans. So, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily care who I see. I guess it'd be cool to see one of the bigger teams, but you know, if I see, uh, you know, Peru and Sweden, it'd still be cool to see a world cup game. Yeah. Just to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, so yeah, I mean, if it does, I figure it'll come to LA. I know that's one of the cities that's possible and that seems too too good not to go to LA given the soccer market there and well and they'll have just rebuilt everything for the Olympics or they'll right, be in the process right. of I mean, rebuilding just, everything for the Olympics yeah, yeah I mean you'll have you'll, you could choose from the, the you know the rebuilt Coliseum which they're working on now the Rose Bowl which is great for soccer and the new you know Rams Chargers place will obviously be open by then so plenty of options right there in LA um, gotta think they're gonna have multiple games there I would assume yeah, you would think. Um, I saw Chicago was not on the preliminary list. Uh, yeah, I saw that too. I was kind of surprised. Yeah, and, and I was surprised Phoenix wasn't. You know, there's a there's obviously a, you know some interest here in soccer given the demographics, and uh, you know I thought they've had some big soccer games here at the Cardinals' place over the years. You know, they had some Gold Cup games here a couple years ago. I thought they would be, but I guess they didn't make the cut. So. The World Cup is in Russia this year. Who do you like? Because my basis for picking is entirely uh, based on one of those BS online quizzes that said, <laughs> it said, what food do you like? I think Jeff Metcalf tweeted it. What food do you like? And that'll yeah. tell you what team to root for. So I clicked okay. through all of the like what kind of restaurants <laughs> I like to eat at. And it told me Columbia. So I am, I am backing Columbia. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, <clears throat> first time in, in our lifetime, at least that, you know, since I've been old enough to follow it, that the U S isn't in. Um, and, and so that's always the, you know, kind of the focal point for me, even though I've never really expected them to win the whole thing. 
you know, in the group stage and you hope they can get out and see where they might be playing. And, you know, um, it's a bit like following, you know, ASU basketball, which we're going to get to in that, you know, never really thinking we're going to win the title, but you hope that they can have a chance. And, um, so without that, it's a little, it's a little odd. Um, I guess I, uh, I've always, you know, enjoyed the way Brazil plays the, the beautiful game as they call it. Um, they always have style and, and flair to their game. So, you know, I like watching them. Um, but, you know, I, I basically I'll watch the heavyweights. You know, I, I like watching soccer at the highest level. And so, you know, Spain, Brazil, Argentina, Portugal, you know, those those type of countries will be the ones that will attract my interest the most, I would say. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's not really a high-priority sport in general for me or I think no, for you. But, no. but any yeah, sport, I mean, I, much like the Olympics, any sport at the highest level – I enjoy watching. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the thing for me. Like, you know, I, I think me with football is a bit like you with baseball and that, you know, we can watch. I, I'll watch a, a you know, a, a, sometimes I'll watch a Mac game, uh, you know, in the middle of the week because there's a player I think is a big draft prospect or something. That's what I like about football. Um, you'll watch baseball. You'll go to, you know, minor league baseball games because we love the sport. Soccer doesn't do that for me. I don't watch minor league soccer. You know, we have a, a minor league team here in Phoenix now that I'm hoping will eventually be an MLS team. Never gone. Uh, you know, just doesn't doesn't pull me in. But at the highest level, I do enjoy watching it. And certainly when there's something big like this on the line, it's cool to watch. Yeah. Uh, that was the path Portland's MLS team took is they yeah. were a minor league team and then they yeah. became a major league team. And there's, you know, there is talk about, you know, this, this play, you know, uh, expanding the stadium they've got, building a, you know, a new soccer only stadium um, up in the area. You, you know, the area somewhat just across the 202 from the Tempe marketplace is where they play now. And there's some land there that they could build a, you know, a big enough stadium. And I, I think it seems like it's going to happen at some point. They didn't, um, you know, I know they just announced Cincinnati, but the MLS is pretty much consistently expanded over the years and. Uh, I think Phoenix is on the short list of one to get one. And if they do, I'll, I'll go see, you know, some games. Not saying I'm going to be at every game. But, again, I kind of need to see it at the at the highest level. And MLS is not the highest level. But, realistically, it's the highest level that's going to come through here. I mean, it's also the highest level in the country for club, yeah, exactly. yeah. club-based yeah. soccer. I, mean, I don't, so. don't want to say, uh, you know, seeing MLS and that's akin to going to see, you know, Manchester United and Chelsea. Because it's not. Uh, which would be cool. But, you know little bit more expensive to get there than it is to just you know take a 10 minute drive up the street go see a game here so if they get that i'll be excited and if they build the stadium there's a you know decent chance that some premier league team will come play an exhibition or something like that yeah yeah i mean i I know i think man U's playing here at the cardinals place uh against a a mexican team this this offseason you know this summer at some point before football training camp gets going so pretty uh, in the next couple months obviously um and i you know my dad and i went to see them play at the rose bowl many years back uh, which was fun you know so i like seeing the the best i'm not a diehard soccer guy i'm not a guy who gets up every saturday morning and watches the premier league but you know if there's nothing else on and i'm flipping channels and there's a you know a decent premier league game on yeah i'll watch and the world cup is is one that every four years i usually you know think well i'm gonna i'm gonna watch this as much of it as I can, basically. What a loss for Fox, though, that the U.S. isn't in it. Yeah. I know. 
I know you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, like I said, that is, I'm sure I'm not the only one that, you know, thinks that way of, of us soccer fans, uh, you know, that think, well, you know, that's kind of our, our focal point. It has been for me, you know, you see their three games when they're playing, who they're playing, you see if they think they can get out of the group. And if they do, then you got, you know, I remember what was it? Oh, Oh two. I think it was, they got to the round of eight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was, that was really exciting when they, you know, and then I think 2010, they got, they got out of the group stage too and got, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it gets you whipped up into a frenzy and there's no chance of that, obviously this, this year. No, but you know what else gets you and I whipped up into a frenzy? ASU basketball from the time we arrived in college to now. That's right. That's right. Yes. So that was your current events talk. That is, so if you only listen yes. to us for current sports takes, yes, stop. And if you listen to us at all, alert us because it'd be yes. nice to know you can. <laughs> well, um, before we move on, you mentioned before we started recording, picking a winner. Is Columbia your winner or is that who you're rooting for? Ooh. I mean, Columbia is who I'm rooting for. If I had to pick a winner, I guess I'll go Brazil. Because okay. they they've won more than anyone else. They have, and and that's gonna lead to no debate because that's gonna be my pick too. They just seem really good at soccer. They do, yeah. I mean, it's what they do. It's it's kind of like picking you know the U.S. to win the basketball gold medal. We haven't won it every single time, but you know we produce the best players on a regular basis. Now it's a little different. They don't they don't dominate like the U.S. in basketball has, but yeah, I mean it, it, you're never too far off picking Brazil to win something big in soccer. Yeah, it's like picking a Scandinavian country for uh, cross-country skiing or biathlon. Right, right, like, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's what they do. Um, so let, what we're going to do now is talk about uh, our historic ASU basketball views and takes. And the genesis yes. of this was a conversation about the point guard play of Trey Holder versus the point guard play of Glasser, both four-year yes. starters. Uh, Derek Glasser brought in really as sort of an afterthought to uh, yeah. the acquisition of James Harden, and, you know, as a prelude to it, basically, because uh-huh. they uh-huh. were friends. And yep, and it worked. It and goes. then the uh, the Holder side of the equation was a guy brought in by Herb Sendek, who really by the end you know, shined under Bobby. Yeah. Haley. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a more highly touted recruit certainly. Um, and, and did, you know, was, was all pac 12 this year, I believe. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and Glasser never was. And yeah, this, this started when I went to the, the final home game this year and was texting with you before the game and asked you if you thought Trey Holder was an ASU hall of famer, which again, ASU Hall of Famer. I mean, he's he's not a uh, you know college basketball Hall of Famer. We're keeping this realistic, and um, and you said, well, if you he is, Glasser is. I thought, well, I don't know, is Glasser, and and here we go. Yeah, we wanted to have this discussion. I said, let's postpone it till after the season, so we get a little space because um, at that time we didn't know how the season was going to play out. Played out okay. We made the tournament, but nothing more than that. So, uh, yeah, at the at the end, it's a it's a good debate, and probably leads to others. So let's let's do this debate first. Um, we saw both of their careers, and I think my bias is that I was in school for Glasser's sure. career. 
Well, and, and I, I mean, I have a bias in that regard too. We were both, we were both in school and Glasser's career started. Yeah. Um, first two years, you know, of Glasser's career, we were, we were students our junior and senior years. Um, and, and then, you know, the best, and this is one of the things I threw out there we could discuss, but it's probably a relatively easy discussion. I would say the best ASU team, you know, since we started school was 2009. Um, and that was our first year out of college. I was still working there. You, you know, you were gone, but you were, you know, obviously we were following the team very closely. So yeah, each of us was exposed to, you know, Blasters teams more. I mean, I, I, gosh, between going there the first two years and then working there the next two years, I probably saw almost every Derek Glasser home game. And I did not see nearly as many Trey Holder games over the last four years. And, and for me, part of why I like Glasser is after the 09 season, which I agree is the, the from start to finish, the best yeah, season overall. The best yeah, um, you could argue that first month and a half of last year was the best stretch any team had. But yeah, start to finish, I think that's an easy one. But the fact that they were able to keep it going uh, yes. in the the o nine ten season, right? I think speaks to why I I actually put Glasser ahead in terms of an ASU impact player. I, I think yeah. Holder's I think Holder's highs were higher than Glasser's highs, but Glasser was. Uh, a steady hand throughout yeah. his career. Yeah. And I mean, by the he end, he, you know, the, the thing about him that I will always remember is every team at some point would try to blitz him because he was, right. the, he appeared to be the white unathletic point guard, <laughs> but, but he didn't get flustered. He didn't turn the ball over and he was a deadly free throw shooter. And, yes, and if you tried yeah. to blitz him and you missed, you know, that was free points, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, and of course, uh, you know, I think you and I both go back to, you know, Glasser was only, he was only on one NCAA tournament team, but certainly could make an argument they should have made it two of those other years, his sophomore and his senior year. Sophomore year, I would say probably even more so. I think, you know, we should have made it. We didn't, but, you know, uh, it's almost misleading because they both went to, one NCAA tournament. Well, I guess I'm trying to. No, Holder was only on one, right? Yeah, because Carson. 14. It was Carson and Carson, fourteen was the last one. Yeah, and he wasn't there yet. So they both made it to one, but Glasser was a starter on three twenty-win teams, and Holder was on one twenty-win team. Um, that said, of course, Glasser was surrounded with better talent. He got to play two years with James Harden, and we talked about ad nauseum. He got to play two years with Pendergraph, three years with Pendergraph, actually, right? Because Pendergraph was there his first year, too, when we were yeah. so bad. Um, and Pendergraph was an all-Pac-12 player. He played, you know, three years with Ty Abbott, who was an all-Pac-12 player at least once. Um, Holder yeah. never had a teammate as good as any of those three. And I think that's true that none of the players that, uh, you know, Glasser played with would be anything lower than the best player Trey Holder played with. Um, but Holder had, I, I don't know, a more, it, I, I think you can, it's almost like Holder had the reset in his sophomore year, whereas Glasser was the reset. His was the reset. Year. Yeah, no, you're right. Because you're right. that, you know, his, the sophomore year, um, which was the first year under Hurley mm-hmm. was, a, you know, was the same as Glasser's freshman year, the Bad first season. year under Sendik where, 
we just had we were in rebuild mode yeah and you yeah. you just kind of had to roll with as a fan the knowledge that sure. uh, we're not that good but, but we're playing hard. You'd hope for you'd hope for brighter days ahead and and they got there with with Glasser's team and they they have started at least with with uh you know what what we did last year under Hurley obviously um yeah i mean it, it comes down i guess to you know there's no there's no debate obviously facts you know numbers are numbers Glasser won more games uh, i don't know the exact number but i'm you know i'm certain that's a pretty significant at least you know double digit more wins than Holder had um you know got to the second round of the NCAA tournament and Holder never did uh you know didn't even really get to the first round as it as it turned out um and and so you know in that sense it's Glasser to me Holder was a better player and this was the discussion that we kind of got into of you know okay you're starting a team um who would you rather have you know if, if you and now, obviously, I think both of us, if we were starting a team and picking from everybody available that had played at ASU the last 14 years, we would pick Harden first and then probably Pendergraf. But if you had to pick one of those two to be a point guard, I would probably pick Trey Holder. But I'm not totally sure on that. Did Trey Holder ever beat the U of A? Um, I believe they did in Sendex last year, didn't they? As, well, because I know it wasn't Hurley. Hurley no, so. no, it obviously wasn't the last three years. Um, I think they beat them. I think we beat them in 2014 and 15 at home. 2014 was the year they were like number two in the country. And, and we had the uh, Bashinsky block there at the end of the game. Um, and then I think we beat them again in 2015 from what I, from if memory serves. And Holder was on that team. Now he wasn't. Um, he wasn't a star at that point. Um, but you know, we didn't have very many stars that year. Looking back, that that really wasn't a very loaded team at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking. the The guys we lost that year were something else. Um, From the we previous did, year, we did. We beat Arizona by three at home in February. Okay. We got blown out at Arizona, seventy three forty nine to open the conference season. Okay, we um, had a lot of those. Those those run together, where we've played Arizona in Tucson, either like first game of the conference season or very early in the conference season, and they usually haven't ended well. Yeah, that was the year where I went to the Pac twelve tournament and we lost to USC. I remember right, that. which was Herb's last game. Yeah, or at least. Uh, I well, we played completely. the NIT. We, we made the NIT, yeah, but basically the death knell for her was losing that game because we were um, we were kind of on the bubble. We had a chance to make the tournament if we'd made a run in the conference tournament. We probably needed to win more than just that game. But weren't we the five seed and they were the 12? Yeah. Because they were last, yeah. So, I mean, we had a shot if we had won that and maybe won one more game. Certainly if we had been able to beat the one seed, you know, in the in the semifinal or something, we, we could have gotten in. We were kind of... On the very edge, I mean, we were, uh, I'm looking, we were 17 and 14. So we didn't have a great chance, but a chance. And losing that game obviously ended any hope and pretty much ended his career here. Yeah. And that was a team where we lost off of the previous team, Bashinsky, Jermaine Marshall from his one year, Johnny yeah. Carson Johnny is gone. Carson. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was not, I'm looking at the roster, that was not a very good team. I mean, it had some decent players, but Holder... Jerry Blake's 
uh, Savon Goodman. That was his best year. Obviously, he had a pretty good year that year. Jonathan Gilling, Bo Barnes, McKissick. I mean, there were some there's some decent names, but there's no stars in there except if you consider Trey Holder a star, and I I probably don't. Close, but you know, and certainly not his freshman year. He was not a star yet. No, he was a good player. Yeah, you know, yeah. His career is good. I, yeah. you know, I'm looking at his overall career stats, and you know, his free throw shooting by the end, he was an 83 percent free throw shooter. He got better by leaps and bounds every year. He started as a 70 yeah. percent free throw shooter as a freshman. Uh, you know, he became a 36 percent three point shooter by the end. You know, he just finished what I think among the top. A top ten, maybe top five in scoring in school history, right? I think uh, yes, I believe something that's like right. that. I don't remember how far he actually got, but he was he was moving up this year into the top ten. I know. I think he probably got to the top five. I mean, for me, this year had the chance to kind of you know had we had we gone on to continue the type of season we were having you know at at New Year's when the when the calendar turned, this wouldn't be a debate. If we had continued to play that well and, you know, gotten to the Sweet 16 even or something like that, then it would be a no-brainer. But the fact this season kind of went off the rails on us a bit, we, you know, we held it together enough to make the tournament. Um, But it didn't, it didn't end. I mean, if you, if you ask this question on December, you know, 25th of last year, when we were number three in the country coming off that win over Kansas, you know, probably we'd have a different answer than we have now. And that's why I said we should probably wait till after the season. We didn't know how that season was going to end, even though it was senior day. There was a lot to, still to be determined, and we didn't win another game. We, uh, we lost that game that day. We lost the first game of the Pac-12 tournament, and then we lost our opener in the NCAA tournament, obviously. He All right, so I, I've got the overall numbers for both of them. Okay. Glasser... Uh, only, and only is, you know, a, a little unfair because of the guys he played with, but right. only 1,028 career points to Holder's yeah. 1,797 career points. Yeah. Um, but obviously asked to do different things. Yeah. I mean, Holder had to be a go-to scorer. Glasser was never a go-to scorer. Even on, even after Harden and Pendergraft left, you know, Ty Abbott was the leading scorer. Kusick probably was the second leading scorer on that team. Maybe Botang even ahead of Glasser. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the nine ten Sun Devils were probably the best coaching job of Herb Sundyke's yes. career. Yes. Uh, when you when you mentioned that team earlier, I, you know, I was going to say that to me is one of those teams that always stands out for you know how how little real talent we had. I mean, we had some nice players, but we didn't have a single player on that team who ever played in the NBA. I don't think I don't think anyone on that roster played a single minute in the NBA, and for that team to win twenty plus games and finish second in the conference that year, even though it was a down year for the conference, was pretty remarkable. Looking back, I mean that roster on a points per game basis was led by Kusix and Abbott with Glasser yeah. third and. None of them averaged more than 12.1 points per game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
And and uh, Boateng had to be around there, I would assume, too, right? Boateng was fourth, averaged 8.8. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, and Boateng is the only one of any of those guys who even got to an NBA roster. I know he spent some, you know, some training camp years, I think, you know, one or two years in the NBA preseason body. But I don't think he ever played in the regular season. And unless I'm forgetting someone, I don't think anyone else even signed with a team. No, I mean, the only one who might have is Lockett, because Trent Lockett yeah, was on that roster. Yeah, he was a freshman that year, yeah. Yeah, but he never played in the NBA either, or at least actual played. He might have been a, a you know, preseason body like Boateng was. But, I mean, yeah, for that, for that team to be what it was, and they were a testament to experience. We had three seniors and three juniors in our top six rotation, um, and that's pretty rare. You don't get that very often, and, um, you know, they they use that experience to win a lot of games that they really, by talent, shouldn't have won. Do you think that is it is it something where we're comparing apples to oranges? Could could these guys on the Herb Sendek teams just simply not have played for well, Bobby Hurley? I mean, would Demetrius Walker have been the star? It's yeah, fun. I mean, it's a good question. Obviously, very different styles, and Derek Glasser may not have been a Bobby Hurley point guard, but maybe he would have been. Maybe he would have been great at being a Bobby Hurley point guard because Hurley asked his point guards to be very, very heady, you know, make decisions out there, kind of let them play. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a totally different style of basketball that we played the last couple years than what we played under Herb. Um, and, and so that's another reason, you know, you can say, well, Holder's numbers are inflated because, you know, we were playing a style that had more possessions, more shots, more points. Um, you know, it, it's different. It just is. Under Herb, it was, you know, slow the game down and win with defense. And, and that recipe worked at times. And I'm not criticizing it. It worked. But it's, it's certainly just a different style. Well, in, in the world where the matchup zone was new, and that, yeah. you know, that that changed the Pac-12 uh, yeah. for a couple years. No yeah. one really yeah. knew how to address it or deal with it. No, it was a great equalizer, and it was born out of necessity, you know, from that team Glasser's freshman year. Before Harden got to campus, before Boateng was eligible, we were very thin. We did not have very many good players, um, and, and we couldn't keep up on a man-to-man basis. And so the zone kind of just popped up as something to try. Worked pretty well, even though we didn't win many games that year. It kept us in a lot of games. And it became kind of the calling card of, of Herb's teams at ASU for the most part. So he kind of got away from it his last you know couple years when it when it started to get figured out, as you said. You know, because that just kind of like crossing sports. Just like Todd Graham's defenses started to get figured out, the zone started to get figured out as well. You mentioned Jeff Pendergrass. Yes. He, his career is a testament to what can happen if you stay with a program. Yeah. His, yeah. his freshman year, he, you know, which was under Rob Evans. Right. He played 27 games, started 22. He averaged 10.9 points and 6.1 rebounds. Yeah. Was the best player on that team, I think, pretty much hands down. I mean, I don't know if he led the team in scoring, 
but certainly was was the player that stood out from that team. And not, not that it took that much because it it wasn't a very talented team. That's why Rob Evans got fired. I mean, that team went eleven and seventeen, five and yeah. thirteen in conference, and it was Kevin Kruger, Bryson Kruger, and him. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And we know, of course, Kruger, Kevin Kruger transferred. Bryce Kruger ended up getting arrested. Never played basketball again, I don't think. Um, and I remember, you know, I remember when Evans got fired, and there was some discussion of, well, will Pendergraft stay? Will he look for, you know, another destination? He had had some health problems his freshman year, I think. Didn't he have like a he had to have knee surgery or something for a for a tumor in his knee? I don't know if you remember that. I, I kind of remember that somewhat that he missed some time that year at the beginning. Um, and so there was some thought of like, well, he's going to look for a better destination and, and he stayed and he became, you know, really the heart and soul of those teams the next three years. Do you want to venture a guess at, so Serge Gunu started 26 games. All right. And so this, this is the 06 team. Yeah. Evans last year. Okay. Sir, Serge started 26 games. Kevin Kruger, 28 games. Okay. Bryson Kruger, 18. Jeff Ayers, Pendergraft, 22. Yeah. Do you want to hazard a guess at the names of other guys who started at least 11 games for this team? Oh, man. There are well, three. Was Antwi on that team? Antwi was. He played four, He started 14 games. Okay. Okay. Um, this guy oh, set man. a massive screen the next year for Christian Polk in a game. It is the one highlight of his career I remember. Was it Chad Goldstein? It wasn't Chad Goldstein, was it? No, Chad Goldstein did okay. not make a start. I'll, I'll tell you who, okay. who else made starts okay. and, and, and didn't, okay? Robbie Aldridge, no starts. Bruno, okay. Bruno Claudino, no starts. Oh, yeah. I remember him, yeah. Alan Morrill, two starts. Okay. Craig Austin, six starts. I was going to guess Craig Austin, but I couldn't remember if he was still on that team or not. So the guy who set the big screen was Sylvester Say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who ended up going to Fresno State, right? I believe that. He left. Uh, he or, le- or he came from Fresno State. One of the two. But I he can't le- remember. He left the school early. I know. Yeah, yeah he, went he, Fresno. Fresno. he went to okay. Fresno. He went to Fresno. He played with Paul George there, if I remember right. He played he under uh, Herb. He got one start and played in twelve games, and then transferred yeah. to Fresno, where he uh, was a starter and major contributor for two seasons. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. So the other two starters, or the other starter. Yeah. I, I could not have guessed this. I didn't remember this name at all. Tyrone Jackson started 13 games. Okay, I remember he was a JUCO point guard, I think, wasn't he? Yeah. He, he came out of JUCO. Yeah, yeah, boy. Talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember the name, but I would never have remembered it if you hadn't said it. Yeah. So so the starters on this team were... Kevin Kruger, who left. Yeah. Bryson Kruger, who was gone. Serge Angunu, who was gone. Graduated, yeah. Uh, Antwi, Morrill, Pendergraf. Pendergraf, yeah. You know, Craig Yeah, there Austin. wasn't much left. Yeah. 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 Here, here's the state of play for the bigs. 
Pendergraph averaged 25 and a half a game. Surge averaged yeah. 25 minutes a game. Craig Austin averaged 11 minutes a game. And Chad Goldstein averaged 10 minutes a game over 19 <sighs> games. Man, yeah, yeah. That was a bad team. There's a reason I mean, this team didn't win many games. Yes, there is. And there's a reason that Rob Evans got let go. Um, because, yeah, the, the cupboard was bare. You know, I could I had been there our freshman year and masked some deficiencies, even though we still didn't get in the tournament. But he he, he kept us competitive. We were, we were decent our freshman year. I mean, we made the NIT and had an outside chance at the tournament, you know, going into late in the season. But when I left, uh, yeah, it, it just became kind of a wasteland there in 06. And we were kind of just biding our time until it was uh, time to get rid of Evans and move on. And, and yeah. Herb, as we've talked about, um, was a good hire. I will always believe that. It didn't end well, but most often it doesn't with coaches. Um, as we've talked about you know, recently with football coaches, uh, usually it ends in the coach getting fired. But Herb was a good hire, and he, he brought us some pretty darn good years when he first started here. Yeah. Um, and then there was Christian Polk, who – Christian Polk to me is the – the for, you know kind of the forgotten man because he was on the team for two years and his, yeah. and his first game or his first year as a freshman 06 07 30 games he started 26 he was second on the team in scoring yeah yeah and, and then James Harden showed up for that 07 right. 08 team and Christian Paul played his minutes were more were decreased by more than 50% his yeah. scoring went down to three and a half points per game and he didn't start a single game. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Christian Polk was was a was a decent player for that 07 team because we didn't have many other guys who could score. Really, I mean, you know, Pendergraft was was a decent scorer, but you know, obviously a different type of player and a big man. And the rest of the guys on that team were kind of glue guys, like Blaster, Jaron Ship. You know, they they weren't scorers, so Polk got a lot of opportunities. And then the next year came, and not only did we have Harden, but we got you know Ty Abbott and Kusix and McMillan, and that was that was a really good class. I mean, by far and away the best class that's her brought in. Um, and this, the opportunities weren't there, and Polk really wasn't a guy who did anything else. He was a scorer, and and so when the shots you know reduced for him, he didn't bring much else to the table. Yeah, I agree with you that that there is no. There's no one but James Harden at, at the top of the list. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the question that I'd like to explore a little bit more is who who would you take second? But Harden's two years. His freshman year, mm-hmm. 33 starts, 34 games. He averaged 17.8 uh, with three assists, five rebounds. So, sophomore and, and year. If I remember right, that one start that he did not make wasn't that in Tucson when he was sick. Yeah, he ended up winning the game anyway. Yeah, and Pendergraph then, had an amazing game. And then sophomore year, I mean, that was the game where Pendergraph just basically willed the team to yes. victory on his own. Yes, yes. And then his sophomore year, thirty-five games, started all of them, thirty-five plus minutes per game. Um, often, I recall him playing thirty-eight, thirty-nine, or yeah. forty minutes. Yes, um, yes. Scored 20 points a game, upped his rebounds and assist rate slightly on both fronts. Yeah. And shot 75% from the free throw line. Yeah. <laughs> was a conference player of the year that year, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. I mean, 
there's not much debate. I mean, uh, you know, as we talked about when we talked about, you know, uh, U of A and ASU basketball players a few weeks ago, like it's, it's James Harden and then it's everybody else uh, when it when it comes to ASU basketball the last, you know, 15 years, probably more than that. But if we're talking about the time we were here, um, so will you say second as far as second best player of our time here? If you and I are having a draft. Yeah. And you don't get the first pick. Yeah. You're picking second, and it is a pure NBA-style draft, one, right. to, one, two, yeah. one, two. You don't get to double up. No, exactly. Yeah. You know, it, uh, to me, there's only two names that, that I'm thinking of. They're and probably it's Diago the same two as me. And exactly the same two as me. Diago, yeah. three years, conference player of the year, his final year. He averaged as a freshman – 19 points per game as a sophomore 22.8 and as a junior 22.6 yeah he also shot uh 81 percent from the free throw line as a sophomore and 79.7 percent as a junior yeah he shot 40 percent from three as a junior and he would bang those like trailer threes once every couple games saying those numbers and and maybe it's because it's been so long and because we really were only here for one year of his time you know his first two years we were still in high school it's Diago I mean you're saying those numbers and I'm thinking I got it I'd have to take Diago over Pendergraft as much as I like Jeff Pendergraft on a a pure you know one-on-one basis who is the better player it really isn't close I mean I think our bias toward Jeff Pendergraft is showing and that we're even debating this yeah I mean D- Pendergraft never averaged his best year was his senior year 5.7 rebounds and 14 and a half points yeah, yeah Ike never yeah. averaged less than 7.8 rebounds right. or 19 points and that was as right. a freshman and never got to play you know with the surrounding talent that Pendergraft had I mean Pendergraft I'm not saying Pendergraft had a, a team of all-stars but certainly he had Harden for two of those years um, you know, and had some of these other guys we talked about was coached better. I know I think Herb was a better coach than than Evans was. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, like I, I was about to say when you first posed the question, I was about to say, well, I got to take Pendergraft, and then I started thinking, well, I'm forgetting I because he was only here for one year since we were here. I was really good. Like I, I, I think mean, I was a lottery pick. <laughs> he was, and and I think because maybe. Maybe, you know, we talk about how our, our memories of James Harden, because of how good he's been in the NBA, we probably have almost glorified him at ASU even more. I mean, he was great. No no disrespect. He was great at ASU. But because he's been so good in the NBA, I think we look back and say, my God, that guy was incredible at ASU. Ike's the opposite. His NBA career never took off. He got injured. You know, he bounced around. And so maybe it's affecting my, my perception and probably yours, too, of looking back and realizing just how good he was. I mean, he was he was really good. And, you know, he, he didn't quite make it big in the pros for various reasons, but that shouldn't negate how good he was at ASU. No. And, and I think it has to be him. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, as you're, as you're reading those numbers, and I'm remembering, and it's going back now, you know, going back to our freshman year, just how good he was on a team that wasn't very good around him. You know, you mentioned a lot of those names on the 06 team. That was most of his supporting cast in 05. We had, I think, Jason Braxton was on that team as well. And he, you know, but, but the 05 team, it wasn't like it was loaded. 
So it the, was Ike and a bunch of no names. So the 0405 team went 18 and 14, 7 and 11 in a better Pac Pac 10. Oh yeah, conference. much better. Yeah. Um, and the team. So the here's the leaders in in stats. Ike uh, by a mile in everything. Yeah. But yeah. second in scoring, Steve Moore, 12.2 okay. points a game. Kevin, him, Kruger, yeah. Kevin Kruger was third at 11. Serge, yeah. still, that was Serge recovering from his knee. Yeah, from the knee injury. Right. Uh, averaged eight and six. And then Bryson Kruger, six and two. Jason Braxton, uh, 5.4 yeah. with three and a half boards and three and a half assists. You know, and then a lot of guys who so basically yeah so you had steve moore and braxton who were you know they were okay players but neither one you know was going to be confused with an all-conference or or any kind of you know great player so it was basically ike and, and a cast of you know anonymous average at best players and we were over 500 and, and again going into the last you know two to three weeks of the season had a chance to make the tournament ike was the conference player of the year Without much help, like I mean, every every opponent went into every game basically saying, "Ike's their best player. We got to take him away." And he still had those kind of numbers and that kind of production. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's Ike. And in fact, you know, as we're talking about it, it's probably more of a debate between Ike and Harden. When you're really being, if you're really being honest about just their college careers, you know, I mean, was Harden that much better than Ike? Probably not. Now, since college, no question. Yeah, but I mean, you know, they but were both conference the player game. of the year, <laughs> right? Right. You know, I mean, overall in the grand scheme of basketball, James Harden is going to be a Hall of Famer. Ike Diago is not, and and so you know, our memory is to say, well, James Harden was great, and he was. Don't get me wrong, you know, again, but you know, he had some he had some no show games at ASU. Um, he had some games he struggled. Uh, we won some of those games in spite of that because we had good talent, we had good coaching. Um, you know, now he had a lot of great games and had some big wins and big performances. Um, you know, but it wasn't like he went out there. And again, I think our memories are such now. I can only speak for myself that we remember, like you know, James Harden went out there and scored you know fifty a game every night. It wasn't that way. You know, he he was great, but you know, because he's been so good since, it kind of feels like a Paul Bunyan story. Yeah, I I think that you're right, and. If you were, if we were doing a a pick'em back and forth, I guess the question is: Do you think the drop off between Ike and Pendergraft is bigger than the drop off between Harden and whoever your next wing pick would right, be? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and I don't know. I mean, I guess um, yeah. Again, kind of like we're talking about with Glasser and Holder, it's hard to compare because Ike was asked to do a lot more than Pendergraft was. Um, you know, I had to carry the carry the team and be the man. Pendergraph really didn't have to, you know, because he had Harden and other, you know, and the team just was coached different. Again, it, you know, he played that that '07 season when he was the best player, but it was a, you know, it was not a team, you know, designed to score 80 points a game. Uh, it was a team designed to score 50 and try to hold the other team to 48, which we won a game, you know, by I think winning, scoring 43 points that year or something like that. So, you know, it was it was an ugly kind of basketball, but it was the only way we could play. So, yeah, we the uh, we set the shot clock era back quite yeah. a bit. Um, yeah, wasn't it the Cal? Yeah, I say the Cal game was the regular season finale. And we beat them like 43 to 41 or something like that. Yeah, I uh, 
Give me a second, and I can pull it. Was up, both, uh, they were both under 50. I'm, I'm almost certain of that. I don't know if I have the exact score right. but Well, I mean, I think both times we played Cal were, were like yeah. that. It was, yeah. You know. Because well, that was the year we started 0-15 in conference. We beat SC at home to finally get off the schneid. That, and was, then we uh, went to, that was when Tim Floyd may or may not have been out. That's partying. right. That's right, yeah, after they had beaten Arizona two nights before Tucson, yeah. And then, uh, and then we went to Stanford Cal to end the year, and we beat Cal in the last game of the of the regular season. Then we got beat in the conference tournament. Yeah. I know we we beat Cal forty two forty one at okay, Hodge. Okay, so yeah, and going just to show you how old you know to feel that we are. You know, uh, I listened to that game on the radio because it wasn't on TV. That doesn't exist now. Now every game's available on TV, even if I mean you don't, can't always see it on TV if you don't have Pac twelve network. But that's a different discussion. Do you want to venture a guess at the highest point total we had in that any year? game that year? 65? We cracked 73 times. Okay. Two okay. of them were in non-conference, non-conference. losses. Non-conference. <laughs> okay. And one was a I, non-conference win. <laughs> okay. So never never in conference play. Uh, who was, what was the highest and who was it against? We, we lost... To NAU seventy five seventy one. Wow, I don't remember that. Did we really? Yeah, that was Gosh. the. Uh, I believe that was the. Fir- yeah, that was the first game of the season. Okay. Yeah. And then wow. we, Then we proceeded to beat North Carolina A and T seventy one sixty six in December. Okay. And lost the next night seventy five seventy to Davidson. Okay, which was. Uh, Steph Curry, right? Yeah, that was the, been on that team. Yeah. the number one yeah. player at Davidson that year was freshman Steph Curry. Wow, okay, yeah. And then his junior year, they came to play here, I remember. It was over Christmas break, so we didn't go, I know. But but uh, I remember after they had made the Elite Eight his sophomore year, they came to play here the next year, I think. So that was that was it. In uh, let me see if yeah. I can find. Yeah, so seventy one was the highest. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it just got lower as the year went along because we started playing that matchup zone. Yeah, you know, we weren't playing that to start the year, and and you know we were we were taking every second off the clock, and and you know again comparatively speaking, thirty five second shot clock. Now we play under thirty. So yeah. you know again, it's, it seems like a small change, but how many extra possessions a game does that add? Uh Conversely, we scored seventy three times. We scored under fifty four times. Yeah, I'm surprised it's actually not higher than that. If you would ask me, I would have guessed more like eight or ten. Well, we scored under sixty a lot. <laughs> I'm guessing thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen times. Yeah, yeah. So more than half of our games. Yeah, I mean it was. It was a different style of team, and it, you know, it, it was again, it was the style that could keep us competitive. We didn't win a lot, but it, it kept us in games that we really had no business being in. But I don't know. I mean, you know, getting back to the to the you know, Diagu, like I, I would probably still take Harden. It's hard for me to to change my mind on that. But yeah, Diagu is clearly ahead of Pendergraft. If you're being if you're being honest and just looking at individual talents. It's Diago. Now, Pendergraft played a key role on those teams that, that you and I embraced so much, and I think that's why we remember him so well. But if, if you're looking at just what they did on the court, 
and not intangibles. It's like by a mile. All right. We're going to play a game. We're going to do the picks. Um, we're going to go 10 deep. So okay. five starters each, five, five bench guys. Okay. Um, I need to pull up like basketball reference here. So I've got a comprehensive list of names that played for us. I think that's, that's fair. I'll allow it. Cause I'm doing, cause play. I would, there's certain <laughs> names I would not remember like Tyrone Jackson, not to say I'm going to take him, but you know, we go, we go 20 deep in this draft. There's going to be guys I forget. Well, and I'm going to be quite honest with you. I initially was thinking we'd go deeper, and then I was like, no, I don't know enough guys. <laughs> Let's probably keep it to that. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, so I'll give you the choice. I think we should alternate picks. Um, I think we should go one and then two, three, and then alternate after that. Okay. So do you want Sounds one good. or do you want two, three? I want one. Okay. And I'm taking James Harden. I respect that. I'm going to take. I'm going to go. I'm going to take both of them. I'm going to take Jeff Pendergraf to play center. Okay. And I'm going to take Ike Diagu at power forward. That's a smart, smart play. I can't. I can't argue with either one of those. Um, uh, and I now we're now we're just alternating. Now it's just, just rotating. Okay. Well, I could focus on an area but i'm just gonna go best i'm gonna go best player available draft cliche and uh i'll take trey holder Ooh, big move big move and these are being generically coached teams i think yes for yes for our purposes it's we're not running the herb sendek slowdown no, system correct and correct i agree all right I I don't want to get shut out in this debate. And I've got I, I need a passer, so I'm gonna take Derek Glasser. Okay. That was an that was an unfortunate rhyme. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I, I didn't even notice, but you're correct, yes, you're a good one. Alright, I'm gonna write these down so I don't forget who's been picked too. Yeah, I'm tracking as well. Bruno okay. Claudino still on the board. Okay. Well, for my next one, since you took two bigs already, I need a big. I'm going to go Jordan Bashinsky. That was smart because I was looking to potentially ice you out. Okay, yeah. I, and I almost took him with the second pick. That's when I said, I, should I focus on best player? Because I thought, well, I kind of need a good big, and you've taken the two. There's not many others that are good. Yeah. We're going to pick some others because we have to. Yeah. You've got Harden, which makes my life difficult. I'm gonna need that, that was the intent. I'm gonna need somebody who can score in buckets. I, I'm gonna uh, need somebody to maybe take the load off of Glasser when when Trey Holder is hounding him. Yeah. So I'm gonna take Jahi Carson to run okay. my second unit. I thought about taking him instead of Holder. I needed a point guard. And I took Holder over Carson. Now, that's where the debate came down to. All right. I will take, I believe, the only guy left on the board who made all conference at one point, and that is Ty Abbott. Ty Abbott. 
That's a good pick. I was that that screws up my my plan. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. So now I need a minute because I That's fine. I wanted I was gonna take Ty Abbott. So Okay, okay. I'm gonna walk you through this is I shouldn't do this, it but it but for our listeners, I'm gonna walk yes. you through my thought process here. I need somebody rangy, but I don't have a shooting guard. I have no wings. I've got two point guards and two bigs. That's true. And even though I'm not certain that I love it, he had the career, especially his last year, to make, I think, to warrant this. So I'm going to take Carrick Felix. Oh, okay. That's a good pick. As my as my starting like small forward, I like that. Yes, yes, it's a good good solid choice. Let's see. I am going to take a guy who was only here for one year, but a very solid player in that one year, Jermaine Marshall. Ooh, I like it. Um. I'm going to take a guy who's only been here one year, but he's going to keep playing. Mm-hmm. I'm taking Remy Martin. Okay. Solid. I mean, going, my second going. unit is going to be all about small athletic guards. I like it. You're building it Villanova style, heavy on the point guards. I like that. You know, I. It, it's all in response to James Harden. It's, okay. you know, throwing a bunch you. of different looks. Some guys who are going to play really tough defense. Some guys who are not going to play defense at all. I got you. I got you. All right. I am going to go. I need a. I need a backup big, so I'm going to go Eric Boateng. Huh. I like it. He, you know, by the by the end, his yes, you know, he had his really last year. He, he earns that spot for me. Yeah, I think so. What to do? I'll tell you who I'm not taking. The highest regarded recruit still on the board, Kiala King. I was just about to make a joke and say, should I take Kiala King or not? No, I'm going to pass. It, look, it's, it's a hard thing to decide. I right. get it. Um, you know, it, it's up there with, like, I need a big right now. Do I do I take Chad Goldstein? It, Boy, I can think of bigs that you should take ahead of Chad Goldstein. Sai Tumala, I, you know no, I. I'm just, no, I mean I don't have a lot, but I I can think of other names I would take. But hey, if you want Chad Goldstein, take Chad Goldstein. Here's the thing: is I, I'm going to tell you this. I think Chad Goldstein's going to be available later. I think I'm going to have Chad Goldstein later. I, I, yeah, I showed my cards. You could take him tenth. You don't need him now. <laughs> You know, and I, my inclination here is, and I'll, I'm not sure what I want to do. All right, because you've got bigs, you've got all the bigs. Yeah. You know, I got Ike and Pendergraft, but I need somebody behind them. Right. And and I'm on the fence between three guys. Okay. And I and I'll get two of them. Obi Oleka. Mm-hmm. Surge. And Romello White. Okay, okay. 
I don't think Romello White has done enough to earn the spot yet. Probably not. And I don't think so. I'm I'm left to Surge, Surge or Obi. I see. I think Obi could be good on a second unit, which is where I need him here. So I'm going to yeah. take him. Okay. All right. I like that pick. All right. I am going to take the second best player on our team last year, I believe, Shannon Evans. That's a good pick. I feel like I'm not drafting an ASU team unless I take a European three-point shooter. Is that weird? <laughs> I was, I've was. i been looking at them, too. We've got a, got a few still on the board. Yeah. I mean, it's... You know, you've got Kusix or Gilling, right. uh, and it's really the same guy. It, For the most part, yeah. It's almost like if you take one, you should get both. Um, but I'm going to – is it a recency bias? Am I am I leaning Cody Justice out of a recency bias, or is he really good? Nah, there's nothing wrong with taking Cody Justice. I like that pick. I, I'm going to take Cody Justice here. All right, all right. Rounding out well, my starting lineup. All right. My pick, uh, I've got both Europeans available. I'm taking Gilling. I think Gilling was a better all-around player. He could put the ball on the floor. Yeah. Kusik faded at the end of his career, and Gilling got better. So I'm, I'm giving him the nod. All right. So to recap where, where we're at with two rounds to go, I've got... Glasser, Justice, Felix, Pendergraf, Diagu in my starting lineup. Okay. Carson, Martin, and Oleka on my bench. All right, so let's do this. Starting lineup. So you got Glasser, Justice, Felix, Diagu, Pendergraf. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Mine would be Holder, Point, um, Harden, Ty Abbott. I gotta play small ball, obviously, a little bit here. Mashinsky's gonna be my starting center, and I'm gonna go uh, Jermaine Marshall. So I'm basically playing four smalls. My bench: Botang, Evans, and Gilling. I'm surprised that you're not gonna go with Botang in the starting lineup, but you're gonna force one of us is gonna force the other to alter. Yes. And if I have to go small, then I'm not afraid to go with Remy Martin. That does not I'm scare sure me. You've got some options. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I'm going to pick Romello White here. Okay. And I have All my right. tenth guy. I know who I'm taking tenth. Okay. If you Let's don't take it. Let's see. Who do I want here? I might go for a bit of a surprise here. Take a guy who really only had one good year and then it kind of faded and he ended up leaving. But that one good year, he was good. Savon Goodman. For a second, you were describing the guy who I was going to take. Okay. I'm, I'm going to round out with Trent Lockett. Trent Lockett's a solid pick. Yeah, he probably should have gone earlier. I would agree. That's, that's a good pick. And let's see. I've got the last pick. I am going. Well, I'm not taking anybody from last year's team. We've, we've covered those guys for the most part. Uh, hmm. Well, I'm going to give myself a little bit more shooting, and I'm going to take Rehart's acoustics. You know what's fun is I think I know how to spell all these guys' names without looking. Well, I think I, 
too. Yes. <laughs> Even years later. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Isn't it weird how Kusik's just bled into Gilling, and we just kind of had the they same just kind guy? Of became the same guy. Yeah. 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 I know. So who did we who did we leave off? Uh, the one guy I thought about taking there with that last pick was Shaq McKissick. I think Shaq McKissick was a good one who we missed. Yeah. I think Kevin Kruger. Yeah, I thought about him too. There, yeah. it, there is there is as always I guess some bias more toward what you've seen recently. Been a while since we've seen Kevin Kruger, and if, so you kind of forget you know what he was compared to a Cody Justice. They may they may have been similar players, but we've seen Justice a lot more recently. If you were taking, if I told you you had to take a glue guy, would you rather have Discipline Twenty Three? <laughs> yeah. Or Jaron Ship. Jaron Ship. I thought about taking him actually. I see. I thought about taking Ship too, but I just felt like Lockett overall yeah, would do he's a more. Player. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'll tell you this, man. The coaching's going to matter in this game. Oh, it is. It is without a doubt. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm certainly playing more Bobby Hurley style. I'm going, I'm going spread the floor. I got shooters. I'm playing, you know, three, three or four guards at a time, probably one big. I, I mean, I got two bigs. Savon Goodman could, could step in and if necessary, but. Pretty much, I'm I'm playing small ball. I mean, Savon Goodman is is your Obina Oleka. Yes, yes. And, he can play center if I need it, but I'm not planning to put him there. Yeah, uh, you know, as I look at the rosters, my my first thought is if I can get Bashinsky in foul trouble, if I get you in one of those games, yes, then then it's over. You know. Probably because I just I have enough bigs that I can rotate more than yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but one of us picked Surge. Speaking of bigs, I just realized that. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think that Surge. You know, my my thoughts on Surge are sort of complicated by my my take on him right when his career ended, which is right. If he had one more year, there really could have been something there. You know, agreed. Yeah. Kind of like Oleka, I guess. You know? Like, Oleka played really, really well. For the time he was here. For what It would have been nice to have one more season. Yeah. It, it would have been yeah. nice if he could have been playing more of the Mickey Mitchell-type role True. on a team, True. as opposed to being the center. Just be a, a guy who doesn't really have a, a set position who crashes the boards. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. It would have been... Would have been nice to have him last year. He'd have been a nice uh, addition to a you know a team that was pretty thin inside, at least when it came to experience. He would have you know, but hey, I mean that's you know it's nobody's fault. He used up his eligibility, but yeah, would have would have been nice if he had one more year to use. Do you think Kimani Lawrence, Mickey Mitchell, um, either of them could find their way onto this list? Anybody I'm else from the current Kimani Lawrence? Can you know? I, I yeah. Given given what we heard about him coming into last year, you know, I'm really hoping that yeah, if we did this again next year, that he would get picked among our top twenty. Um, I'm I'm looking for a big season from him. You know, I mean, um, and and I think 
I'm, I'm also hoping that uh, Romello White would be a guy we'd pick earlier. He got picked, but I'm hoping he has the kind of year this year that, you know, he goes in the, in the first 10 picks. Yeah, I, I'd like that. I think that a really good year from Daquan Lake could see him yeah. on this list. I as thought well. about him. I mean, I did because of just his defense and rebounding, but mm-hmm. he hasn't shown enough just yet. But yeah, I mean, there's some guys, obviously, you know, if we were to redo this a year from now or three years from now, you'd hope that there's some new names to come in here and take guys like Rehards Kusicks and Savon Goodman and, and Trent, Trent Lockett, Lockett off the board. But, you know, I mean, you'd hope so because that means we've had some good players. You'd hope that, you know, maybe Remy Martin is a guy who goes, you know, fourth or fifth. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, because, because he, I think I have high hopes for him too. I mean, yeah, this is, this is one kind of like when we did our quarterbacks, you know, um, you know, if we did it again five years from now, I'm hoping there's, you know, a couple, two or three guys that we're, we're putting high on that list. That means we've got guys who played well. I am curious about next year's team just because it's going to be basically a completely new look. It will. It yeah. will, yeah. It will, it will not, I don't believe, be a team that is um, nearly as heavy on the three-point shooting. And in fact, like we talked about before, it might be a weakness of this team is the three-point shooting. Um, you know, there isn't, there isn't a lot of, you know, at least from what we know of the guys that are here, guys that have played, there's, there's not a knockdown three-point shooter available. Now, maybe, maybe one of these transfers or incoming guys is that, I don't know. But yeah, it, it has a feel of a much different style, a bigger team, hopefully a deeper team, um, but not as perimeter-oriented at all. For some context, in his two years at Cleveland State, Rob Edwards was a 39% three-point shooter and then a 35% three-point shooter. Uh, his sophomore year, he was averaging almost six threes a game, hitting two. So, Which isn't terrible. I mean, you know, it's a, you know, it's not great. It'll keep you, know. you honest, but it's yeah, not great. Yeah, you know, and and uh, hopefully, you know, Remy Martin becomes a better outside shooter in the off season. Hopefully, that's something he's been working on. He showed some ability to do it, but not consistently last year. Um, that said, you know, you got to be able to shoot the three, and it's a very powerful weapon in college basketball. But sometimes it could be, you know, the the seductive weapon that that lure, and that's what happened with last year's team. You know. When we couldn't shoot, when we went into a funk late in the year shooting, we didn't really have another alternative because it was like, well, this we got to shoot threes, we got to shoot threes. Oh my God, keep shooting them! And and I'm hoping this year's team will be a little bit more well-rounded in the sense that they won't be as reliant on hot shooting from the outside. Well, and you've got a lot of big, lengthy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, six, seven. Six eight guys on this, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, just I, on, I, well, just on the guys coming back, like White's six eight, but he's a big man, right. and Lake's six ten, but he's a big man. But but in that flexible range, mm-hmm. Mitchell's six seven, Scheibel's six nine, Lawrence is six seven, Cheatham six eight. Yeah, you know, and the new guys, che, you know, um, Tayshawn Cherry, and yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think this is you know we're we're now entirely a Bobby Hurley team. You know, I mean, there's not a single guy on the roster that wasn't recruited by him. We had, you know, Holder and Justice were, were you know, carryovers from the Sendek years. You know, he recruited both of them. They played their first year with him. Um, 
now it's, you know, this is the team Bobby Hurley has put together. And, and, you know, I think this is a little bit more of what he wants to look like. I mean, yeah, we were guard heavy last year and I know he's a point guard, you know, but I'm not sure that he really wants that to always be our identity. I think it was our identity last year, but I, I think, you know, this team should look more like what he wants to see, which is a team that's a little bit, again, more well-rounded. I hope so. I, you know, we're going to get. Guards are important. Don't get me wrong. College basketball is a guard game. It's not a big man's game. But you, you know, would hope and, between you know Martin and Edwards coming in. Yeah, and Dort. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we've got some good guards available, and then we've got some. You know, you're right. The guys who are kind of you know, I mean that's the way basketball in general is going. It's sort of a positionless game. It's not as much of, hey, you know, I mean, look at what we're talking about with the NBA. No one, when you hear about these, you know, LeBron should get Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, 10 years ago we would have said, well, they're all three small forwards. How can they play together? Now we don't think that way. You know, the Warriors were kind of the team that introduced that, and more and more teams are doing it, of, you know, you can play with three small forwards. doesn't matter if they're good enough. And, and you know, so, yeah, I think we'll have a team that a little bit more resembles that. Now, granted, we're not going to be the Golden State Warriors. I'm not saying that. But more guys who can kind of, you know, are they guards? Are they small forwards? Are they power forwards? Who cares? They, they can play basketball. That's really what matters. Yeah, it's one of those, are they these things? I don't know. Right. D- does right. it matter? Apparently no, it not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about think about the Warriors. Do we put position, I mean, do you, do you consider Steph Curry a point guard? He is, but but we don't really call him that. He just He just plays. Um, you know, do you consider Draymond Green a power forward or center? No, but that's the role he plays for them a lot of times. I mean, now they're they're doing it as good as anybody. And, you know, again, they're the they're the gold standard for doing it. But but other teams are going to that, and it doesn't seem crazy anymore for LeBron to you know team up with Paul George. Whereas a few years ago, we would have said, well, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. You got two small forwards, you can't do that. Now, you know, like yeah, sure, you can do that. Yeah. Just to finish the thought on the height of the team, uh, Dort coming in is six five, Cherry right. six eight, Bouton in six five. Right, right, yeah. So there's, there's, uh, you know, it should be a. I mean, Martin is probably barely six feet. I don't know what they list him as. Um, you know, he's probably listed at six two, but he's he's undersized. You know, but that's okay. You could, you know, but uh, he might be the only guy who's under six four. I would bet on next year's rotation. Yeah, well, then somebody the the project center. Uh, they lift right. Martin at six feet, but uh, Plavic Plavicek okay. seven I, one kid. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's also tall. <laughs> he is. Now I'd be surprised if he plays any sort of significant role next year. But if he does, great. It'll be a nice surprise. Yeah. Um. You know, you feel like he's a project for, you know, twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. Uh, more realistically, you know, I mean, he's he's probably a, a Bashinsky type at best. That maybe by the end of his career, he becomes you know really solid player. At worst, he's probably Ruslan Petiv, you know, who was never really he had a decent last year comparatively, but never really developed into much. Um, you know, we'll see. That's a that's a flyer. Um, what you need is you need you know you need Dort and Cherry. Those are your those are your jewels of this class, this incoming class. You need them to be good. And then you need the guys who you had last year and the transfers to, to, you know, continue to get better. You need White and Lawrence and Martin 
to progress and you know hopefully they will i mean um we haven't seen a lot of bobby hurley's recruits yet like you said last year it was very heavy on you know shannon evans who was a transfer and then two guys who he didn't recruit now it's it's his show it's his team and he's got to show that you know the guys he recruited are good and that he can get them better in fairness he did recruit Evans to Buffalo, I believe. He did. He did. So. Oh no! And, and I'm not. I'm, look, I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying, you know, the, uh, you know, the way it's played out, there hasn't been a, a big onus on the guys that he's recruited. And yes, you're right. He did recruit Evans, and he brought Evans here. He deserves credit for recruiting him to here and bringing him here and playing. You know, but now, you know, there's there's guys that he recruited here out of high school that need to continue to take steps forward. That was one thing. As much as Herb had his flaws, we've talked about it a lot. Guys who stayed for three or four years under Herb always got better, yeah. with, with almost no exceptions. And now we kind of get to start seeing if that's the case with Hurley. We, ha- we just haven't had enough time yet. There haven't been enough guys to evaluate that yet. But this season will start to tell us that. I think it'll be good. I really do. I do too. I mean, uh, shaping up to be a very – Interesting and challenging non-conference season. I don't know if you saw some. You know, we got Mississippi State, I guess, now in Vegas. Mm-hmm. We got Nevada in LA. We got Kansas, obviously, coming here. Got a home and home with Georgia that starts this year. Finishing a home oh, and home with Vandy. Vandy, yeah. We I think we opened with Fullerton, which was a tournament team last year in the Big West. Um, I think we played Princeton this year. I saw home and home or starting that. Or, you know, so there's there's some uh, there's some interesting ones here, and um, you know, should be some good tests and. And we'll see how the you know how the Pac-12 shakes out. Um, wasn't it's not been a good run for the Pac-12 the last few years. Hopefully, hopefully the tide is starting to turn. I don't know. Um, Maybe we can you know, lead the rebirth. I hope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, hopefully so. Because you know, I look back and I, we sound, I sound like an old man sometimes, but man, I look back at those years when we were in college and those couple years right after. The, just the talent level in the conference was so good. I mean, you look at you look at the All Star Game this year, and I remember that you know watching the All Star Game and and James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Love, Demar Derozan, uh, you know, and again, all all these guys you know played in the Pac twelve, Pac ten back then, um, and now they're you know stars in the league, and there hasn't been that amount of talent come through the conference the last few years. It's it showed, um, but hopefully you know things are will turn around soon. I hope so. The other thing is, if you win the conference, it doesn't matter how the rest of the conference is. If sure, you're, if you're sure, the number agreed. one team, you'll go. So agreed, agreed, and that should always be our goal. But you know, obviously, it. it um, I mean, we got in last year not because of the conference; we got in because of our non-conference, you know, schedule and, and success against them. Um, you know, you look at USC finished. Didn't USC finish second or third in the conference mm-hmm. and didn't get in? Um, you know, so, so it tells you that, uh, you know, they don't, they did not give a lot of respect to the PAC 12 and we've seen that same thing going on in football. We, we talked about that a while back and, and it's a story that, you know, has gotten some traction this off season of, you know, the, the downslide in the PAC 12 in both major sports and basketball certainly has, has seen it. Um, football is a little bit different in the way, you know, it shakes out, but yeah, basketball just doesn't, you know, you think about 10 years ago compared to now, and it's it doesn't even feel anywhere close to the same. No, not at all. I guess the moral of the story is bring Ben Howland back. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, 
UCLA makes a big difference. It does. When UCLA is really good, uh, the conference feels better. It's much like USC football. We've talked about that, you know, and, and uh, you know, that, yeah, in that era, they didn't win a title, but they, they were really good. And they had, you know, guys like Westbrook and Love and Darren Collison and, you know, Aaron Aflalo and guys who, you know, have been really good in the NBA. Some of them all-stars, some of them, you know, one MVP. And, and now, yeah, they've just kind of been, they've been mostly average the last, you know, eight years or so. One Sweet 16 last, you know, two years ago with Lonzo Ball, um, but not much really to speak of in the last, you know, 10 years. Yeah. I don't know. I t- I'll tell you this. I'll take the three Final Four trips in a row. I'll, I'll be upset oh, later. Oh, God, about not a doubt. <laughs> no question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think most places would. UCLA is different. They're not most places. You yeah. know, um, they have an impossible standard there. Uh, you know, like it's it's hard to be the UCLA coach because you're constantly living in the shadow of this ghost that you will never match. You know, you you could win two national titles in ten years, and it's still going to be well. Uh, you know, John Wooden won ten out of twelve. What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And you will never have that kind of success again anywhere. And so it's uh, you know it's hard. It's a very hard standard to live up to. Yeah, no kidding. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not a big Steve Alford guy. I don't think he's that good of a coach. He's okay, um, but you know, realistically, there's no way he can live up to the bar that's been set there because no one has. I mean, you know, Jim Herrick's the only one to have won a national title since then, and and you know, he wasn't really loved. I mean, he was. You know, they won a title and he was great, but like, you know, he only won one. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Well, hopefully. That streak continues, and the next conference champion will be from ASU. So. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean you're right. You know, our our goal should be to be, you know be the best team in the conference, and you know, but obviously a good conference helps everybody. Um, helps you recruit better talent. Helps you get in the tournament if you're not the best team in the conference, and and uh, you know, so yeah, you you want it to to be better, but. We'll have plenty of tests in November and December before we ever get there. It seems like it's going to be a, a you know a tough slate again, which is fine. We'll be back with more random summer filler yep. um, to meet our contractual obligations. This is like uh, only a northern song by the Beatles, which we <laughs> learned about with Professor Mike Shellens, who may or may not, not right. exist. Right, um, right. And we're filling the time until we get to – Go back to our wheelhouse, our bread and butter, which is regular season football and basketball. That's right. That's right. It'll be, you know, football preview time in about a month and a half. It's right around the corner. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.